back, everybody, to the greatest music NFT podcast show, your number one source for all things new in Web3 music and music NFTs. I am your host, Beaks Vibe, coming to you live once again from the Vibe House Media Headquarters. I want to say hello to the new listeners. I hope we are building. This is week eight. We are officially two months into the launch of this podcast, going strong into almost the new year. We're almost right at 2023. You know, I'm trying to make sure that everyone that is kind of new listening in, newly tuning in, is getting a sense of who I am and what we're all doing here. Of course, we are all here because of music NFTs and the future of what the Web3 music world will look like. You know, I want to talk a little bit about what my plans for the upcoming year and the upcoming future are in regards to, you know, just overall in general, what I'm doing with music NFTs and how I'm thinking about the plotting and scheming with Web3 music going into the future. And I think the overall topic I want to hit on this week is talking about DAOs. And I think how DAOs can be the new iteration of what a label or a record label is in terms of its functionality, how it's operating kind of from the inside out. But we have to do a little bit of the acronym acrobatics once again. Of course, we always do it every time we talk about NFTs, but we need to do it one more time explaining what DAOs are, right? So I'm saying DAO which is an acronym for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. The kind of conceptual understanding of what DAOs are trying to do is, as the name says, it's trying to autonomize the operations of the business. But it's also trying to democratize the decision-making within the business. And kind of more or less what DAOs are trying to do is remove the need or the impedance and intervening of centralized management within organizations. Now, take you down on a little memory road here, a little memory lane. Uh, I was elected a governor on two different DAOs earlier in this year. There was a layer one ecosystem that I was pretty involved with, and there were some community DAOs and some creative DAOs. And, you know, there was essentially nine governors to each DAO, You had to get elected among your peers, so you had to run, you know, become a candidate, you know, explain why you wanted to be a governor or kind of help uh, spearhead the, you know, just the building and the evolution of these DAOs. And so went through the whole process, did kind of the on-chain voting, got elected, and there are just a lot of problems that we encountered collectively within these DAOs. And so it was a real head-scratcher, and... It made me start questioning, you know, or just thinking what type of organization would benefit from the removal of centralized management. And kind of the longer short of it was that in my humble research, it was there are a lot of good reasons and important reasons for why human management or centralized management within organizations work. For example, To think that things can be autonomized and operated autonomously through code and to think that, you know, code is law and that everything is governed by code and numbers, it's a very romantic view on kind of how things can go because it really has this bias in assuming everything will always go right. Where management really comes in, and this is through my experience with the DAOs and also through just some research of how, 
you know, organizational structures work and are developed in the first place just by design. When things go wrong is when management's very important and human management at that. Human management is able to contextually understand the circumstances as they play out. They're able to adapt in, you know, audible in real time. And that's really kind of an important component to the management overall. But, and then you think of centralized management and it's this ability to make nimble, quick decisions without needing kind of the, the tediousness and the length of democratic voting, which tends to be a much more drawn out process, right? But then you get to certain things where, well, objectively, you don't necessarily need a lot of democratic voting or, or subjectively, you'll have very centralized decisions when they aren't necessarily just black or white decision making. So for example, think of things that are much more in the creative industries. Think of you know movie studios, you can think of record labels, you can think of even marketing firms or management companies where they have to make kind of this taste-making type of decision that you hope will reap rewards, you know, in the future or, you know, will play out. And so, you know, think of a movie studio where you have, you know, the the movie boss and, and a couple, you know, executives or a couple of very important people and they're trying to figure out which movie, you know, very few people are trying to figure out which movie for the masses, for the millions upon millions of people will enjoy it. Or you can think of a record label, right? Think, take kind of that same idea of like nine people in a boardroom. You might have the label head, the you know the A and R, the artist, the artist manager, and maybe a couple people from the the creative marketing department. And you have these people that are all kind of in a centralized decision making process, make you know figure out what the right singles are, what the marketing strategy, what type of TikTok videos, you know how aggressive on TikTok, uh, you know. Th- what the cover art's going to be, kind of the overall theme. And so what are they trying to do? It's this very centralized group of individuals who are trying to make these big decisions that, that they hope will resonate with the millions, that they hope will resonate with the masses. So there were a lot of examples where I was like, man, there are just too many good reasons to keep human management involved with the organization because things go wrong. I mean, running a business is essentially akin to just putting out small fires all year long. I mean, that's just what running a business is. So that was just my kind of anecdotal take on, you know, going through DAOs, being a part of a couple of different DAOs, seeing a lot of the obstacles, not just from a technological blockchain standpoint where you're doing on-chain voting and moving everything into a Web3 world, but then you are needing the democratic decision-making through and through on every single part of how the organizations run. So pros and cons, pros and cons. I feel like the way I'm explaining it's a little messy, which isn't kind of the the bigger picture part. But I just wanted to give a you know a quick illustration of what DAOs are and how they operate. So here's what I'm thinking, and this is why I brought it up. I'm doing a couple things here. Number one, I'm thinking about how I'm going to deploy music NFTs coming out in the future. Currently a little behind the scenes alpha, if you will, I've been producing my first single or maybe my first couple upcoming singles, but really I think I've got the first one in mind. What I am now trying to figure out is kind of the roadmap for how I'm going to execute on all this stuff, right? As we all know, music's just a, a small piece of the, of the pie. It's kind of getting everything else figured out. So what I'm doing is number one, I'm trying to figure out, or, you know, 
assembling and organizing kind of the music NFT catalog of what I am getting ready to deploy. Number two, as a music producer who has mainly worked with independent artists, that's actually allowed me to retain a lot more ownership in a lot of the masterworks that I've ended up producing for all these artists throughout the years. So I do have a Web2, you know, an extensive Web2 portfolio that accrues royalties annually. I'm wondering and trying to think about how to integrate that type of revenue stream from that catalog into what I'm about to lay out forward here in just a second. So we have the Web2 portfolio, which is kind of passively making some royalties. We have the Web3 portfolio of music NFTs that I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm drawing off this roadmap in terms of how I'm going to execute. And last but not least, I have this little podcast here. You know, this, you know I'll call it, uh, as pretentious as this sounds, I'll call it a little media property and trying to grow this media property. You know, we'll see what happens with it. The whole idea, of course, is we're trying to track the journey and progress of music NFTs and the ecosystem at large over the next 12 to 24 months at the very least and, and try to see you know, how it goes. And we tr- we're trying to ride the wave of music NFTs as we get into the next bull market of uh, when it comes in like year 2030 or something like that. But nonetheless, so we have the Web 2 portfolio catalog. We have the Web 3 catalog that's you know, in development. We have this media property of a podcast. Well, I want to wrap all of that as assets underneath one entity, which could eventually become a DAO, right? So in 2018, I had founded a label called Vibe House. You know, I still have this entity or this property. This is, I'm in the Vibe House media headquarters, <laughs> headquarters as we speak. But my, my plan is, rather than signing acts and signing artists or signing other producers or doing any of this stuff, it's going to be kind of parlaying my own assets into the DAO as a proof of concept first off. I then want to launch a Genesis Collection music NFT pro- project where the holders of the Genesis Collection in particular are going to be targeted as the... MVP or the VIP shareholders and collectors that are interested in joining and formulating this DAO. Okay. So I'm very interested in doing free mints and just kind of building out the catalog in general, doing all these different things. But there is one very specific component where I think a price tag is really necessary because I need people to understand that if they're buying into this particular collection, they are essentially putting their money where their mouth is and investing as a collector into what eventually will become this DAO. And if the proof of concept works, it then can scale and expand. And the proof of concept is essentially, can we build around assets in Web3 utilizing this new viable economic model? You know, it's never been Web3 equals throw everything in Web2 away, never use Spotify again, da-da-da-da-da. But it's how can we harness everything that's new and how can we, in addition to what we're doing, add value to the portfolio and kind of disrupt the music industry as it is. So your friend, Beaks Vibe, over here, 
I am poking holes where I think the holes are biggest within the music industry. And those are two different parts. One, the economic sustainability and viability of the independent artist, a.k.a. 99% of us. And two, the centralization of record labels and decision-making and having people that are making decisions not in the true aligned incentives of the artist with them. Everyone in that room that is not an investor or shareholder or real collector is making decisions in the self-interest of themselves. You look at an A&R, and A&R isn't necessarily worried about what's the best single for the artist and the artist's you know, long-term career, because the people that you know come and go within these labels are quick, here today, gone tomorrow, and two, they're just trying to keep their job for another month, another quarter, another year. And so they only care about, well, what's going to trend on TikTok? They only care about, well, what can I potentially get playlisted with these couple people that I've shaken hands with? So, you know, everyone's got a, a, a drum that they beat to, and you need to kind of understand that. So if an artist takes kind of the reins of the label idea, you're just deputizing your fan base and replacing these people that have all this kind of misaligned incentives and self-interest out of the way. If you have those same, so the artist and eight other people in the boardroom, well, now say you've got the artist and eight other people who are collectors of the Genesis NFT collection. Everyone's got the same side that they're fighting for now, right? So now we can go, well, what do we think the right single is out of the, this body of work? What do we think the right you know, artwork covers for this? this you know, what do we think the right strategy is? And now you have your 1%, your top most loyal fan base. People, you're literally your collectors that are putting money to support you to, to sh- and be part of this. They are now like, you know, it's like a rogue label that you can now build up. And it's, it's, your, it's your supporters. I mean, everyone's in it to win it. And they are becoming promoters, collectors, investors, supporters, all in one. That relationship becomes so strong that entity kind of creates this magical bond just like from the get-go. And then if that works, you can scale it by adding to it, reimagining it, signing it, you know, more people, becoming a collective. I mean, it's not necessarily trying to do something that labels don't do. So the blueprint's there from like an operational level, from a functionality level, but it's just the structure is t- completely decentralizing the choice making and the taste making with your fans, your supporters, your collectors, and everyone that's rooting for the same team here. I think it's really interesting how beautiful that could be. There's been a thought that's been swirling in my head forever. If anyone wants to go to my Twitter account right now, I have a pinned tweet from June of this past year in 2022 just kind of talking about you know, I think DAOs do a lot of wrong things, but I think one of the things they can do that's right is disrupting a lot of this kind of creative or subjective decision making where it's, you know, this quote unquote tastemaker that's having to make, uh, you know, where the few are making decisions for the many. So I'm looking at the time. I see, you know, I wanted, I realized, I thought this was, I was going to keep this episode kind of short, but, you know, I was just going to take a moment to share just what is percolating in my head. Like I said, this isn't really a I'm not launching anything yet. There <laughs> there's no dates. I have no deadlines of anything. 
This is just, these are all the things I'm thinking about. I felt like, you know, coming to the end of the year here, this would be a good time to try and share it with you guys. So there's a little bit more of an understanding. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how I get everything that's in my head out of my mouth to the listeners' ears. So there's a lot more transparency in kind of what I'm trying to communicate, how I'm trying to communicate all these things. But that's it. You know, I've been taking a couple more meetings than usual, been been trying to network in the Web3 music scene. And yeah, I've been having some conversations, you know, with some some like-minded individuals and just talking about, you know, what's what and, and what everyone's got up their sleeve, what everyone's planning. You know, I've been talking to a lot of project founders, a lot of people trying to do the, the platform play. Um, everyone trying to build a marketplace or a platform or trying to figure out that. And I love that. But at the same time, I'm over here going, well, what's Beaks Vibe going to do? I'm over here talking about it, but you know, at the end of the day, I got to be about it. So yeah, man, I've always been wondering, you know, how am I going to do the music NFT thing the right way? And that's the journey we are all on here together. So I think I'm going to leave you all with that. This week is all about DAOs are the new music labels. They are the new record labels. I don't want to call anything I'm doing like a native Web3 record label or anything like that, but maybe just uh, a music DAO or or something. I know this isn't the first uh, first music related or music NFT related DAO, but the kind of really cool thing about DAOs is they can be a little different. You know, it's really I mean, it's essentially just like a company, right? It's like a Web Web3 LLC type of thing, but um, its operational kind of mechanics are a lot different. So, anyways. You guys know where to find me. If anyone has any questions about the upcoming plans, they are very kind of uh, malleable. They are very kind of too subject to change, to be determined. But would just wanted to share some of what I'm thinking. So Web2 catalog, Web3 catalog that's being built up. Got the podcast. I'm looking at the DAO. We're going to think about a proof of concept. Then we think about scaling and expanding. That's it. No hidden secrets here. You guys see the agenda. You guys see the blueprint. That's what I'm hoping to see what we can manifest and what we can do in 2023. So I will leave you with that message. You guys know where to find me on Twitter at TGMNFTPod. Of course, that is short for the greatest music NFT podcast show. And I am your friend, Beaks Vibe. And you know, we will see you right here, same time next week. I'll see you then.